talks political bombshells, NFL star Benjamin Watson and his thought-provoking new film, Sean Spicer on Leading America, and country star John Rich performs his latest hit. That's Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Filbury. Thank you and welcome everybody. I am really glad you've joined us tonight and I want to tell you it's good to hear your voice again Keith Bilbrey. Welcome back. You may not believe this but we missed you last week. I got to tell you something. Larry Gatlin looked like he was getting pretty comfortable behind your podium over there mm -hmm. filling in for you. That's so what I heard. Yep. How was your vacation in Branson? Well uh, of course it was a working trip. Oh yeah, yeah. And I promise. Yeah. In fact I can even prove it. Watch this. Okay. Hey, Mike, you didn't believe I really came to Branson to work. Well, here I am on stage with Larry and uh, what's the boy doing on? Jimmy Fortune! Hey, Mike, how you doing, buddy? I got two wishes. I wish you were here and I wish you were president. Mike, thanks for loaning us this guy. Oh, that was great. So you really did do that. And, and I wanted to tell you, it's nice to see those guys. Love them all. But I guess you're maybe off the hook for taking a week off. Thank we'll you. let you do it. Okay. Oh, thank you, Governor. Yeah. And I'm not about to give up my podium for Larry, but thanks for letting me know he was eyeing it. I suppose uh, that explains this. Yeah. Uh, he brought that and, and wanted, he insisted that it would be out there in the parking lot. So yeah. we put it up, but we took it down and you have your normal spot a block from here. I didn't have my picture on it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, welcome back. <laughs> hey, for four years, you have heard the left and the very partisan press tell you how the Russians interfered in the 2016 elections. Recent documents released reveal the true meddling happened at the hands of Hillary Clinton's campaign, aided and abetted by high-level officials at the FBI, the CIA, and yes, the White House under President Obama and Vice President yeah. Joe Biden. Yep. But this year, a different attempt to rig the election by lies, disinformation, and censorship is happening under deceit from big tech social media giants like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google, and Instagram. In a move that is so brazen that it earned founder Jack Dorsey an invitation to come and testify to the Senate Judiciary Committee, Twitter locked out the Trump campaign account and that of White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany for daring to mention a front page article that was published in the New York Post, which by the way, is the fourth largest circulated newspaper in America. Now, why did they do that? I'll tell you why. Because it painted Joe Biden and his wayward son, Hunter, in a negative light. My own Twitter account was blocked from posting a link to the story. And Twitter lied and said, it refused to allow the story because not all of it was verified. Yeah. That's the same Twitter censors who allows vicious and unverified comments, not just about the president, but even about me and my family. 
To assist a campaign with something of value is to be subject to the campaign finance laws. And Twitter and Facebook's actions are thinly disguised campaign contributions to Joe Biden and the Democrat National Committee. I think it's past time for Congress to act and pursue antitrust regulation against these companies who have long ceased to be market-driven social media platforms and have become monopolistic utilities. The damages they are inflicting on free speech and a fair political debate are worse than anything the Russians have ever done. And by the way, if you haven't seen the documentary called A Social Dilemma, you, you really should. I promise you will not be allowing your young teenager to be on social media without some heavy restrictions, if at all. Silicon Valley billionaires now decide what you can and what you cannot see. And they've decided you can't see negative information about how then-Vice President Joe Biden used his position to obtain his son Hunter some lucrative contracts with Ukraine, Russia, and Communist China. Not little contracts, but multi-million dollar deals that Hunter Biden wasn't qualified to obtain, well, other than the fact that his father was the vice president. That was the qualification. You know how much time the major networks gave to this story the day it broke? Not one second, not one second, nothing. Now, what would have been the coverage if the politician's son had been named Eric Trump? What do you think? Well, the election this year is a test of whether our elections can be stolen by big tech billionaires who only allow you to get the information they want you to have. But if we allow this kind of heavy-handed influence peddling and the overt censorship of news unfavorable to the left and full-throttle fake news to destroy President Trump, Vice President Pence, Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett, or for that matter, to you, we're gonna end up with a government that we won't recognize. Look, I got friends who are gonna vote for Joe Biden because they don't like Donald Trump's personality. And there are parts of it that I can't personally identify with either. But I'm not voting for him to be room mother and bring cupcakes to school. <laughs> I want someone who isn't afraid to stand up to China rather than to get his son a cushy cash deal with China. I want someone who will fight the DC swamp rats rather than feed them cheese. And I really want someone who won't use the power of the federal fiefdom to fill his pockets and cover the tracks of corrupt creatures of the swamp. Rick Grinnell spent years at the U.S. State Department before taking a role in the Trump administration as U.S. Ambassador to Germany, which is the most important European assignment because it's strategically positioned to coordinate all of our European policies. In 2020, he was named Acting Director of National Intelligence. That's where he began to unravel the Russia collusion hoax. What he did? Classified documents related to the spying on the Trump campaign back in 2016. He says that transparency has gotten a lot of people in Washington upset. I spoke with former DNI Rick Grinnell earlier today to find out exactly what they're so afraid of. Rick, I'm not sure that most Americans have any idea the significant role that you have played in finally taking the cover off of a lot of uh, secrets, if you will, that have been uh, brewing for years. 
when you were director of national intelligence, uh, you decided to declassify reams of material. My first question is this, Rick, how come the previous DNI did not do what you did? You know, I, I have to say that anyone who would read the material and see what was being classified and see what was being held by the intelligence community and then compare it to what people were spinning and saying on the outside, I felt uh, right away that the American people deserved the transparency and deserved to know the full truth and that they weren't getting the truth. This is, um, I think, uh, the system in Washington, D.C., Governor. You, we know that the types of people that live in Washington, D.C., you know, the reporters, the lobbyists, the politicians, they all live, work, go to church, go to school, uh, see each other at restaurants. They're all interdependent upon each other. And I think that um, we no longer have a system where it's Republicans versus Democrats so much. It's really a system where it's this Washington, D.C. insider versus the outsiders. And when I read the information, it felt like the outsiders needed to see the, the real information because they were being duped. You really did, though, take the lid off. And I, I, I want to say, I just don't think Americans appreciate the significance of what you did, because one of the things that was revealed was that all of this whole thing about the Russia collusion was an absolute fabrication that was started by the Hillary Clinton campaign in the summer of 2016. We went through years of investigations and Adam Schiff beating his chest and having an impeachment trial for something that should never even have happened. So why didn't the Washington press corps at least acknowledge the truth? I, I find that hard to believe. We have a whole group of national security reporters in Washington, D.C. that are highly political, that are all about politics first. And I think this goes to <clears throat> this idea that they all live and work in Washington, D.C. You know, we collectively and jokingly call it the swamp, but I think that that's what it is, is that the, the people who live and work and depend on each other and want new jobs and social status all can't really speak out. But here's the good news, Governor. We, we did have some career intelligence officials who early on in 2016, early on in the process, in the very beginning of the process said, this is Russian propaganda. This is not true. And Hillary Clinton and the Steele dossier people are using this propaganda and pretending like it's the truth. And so we can be proud that we did have some career intelligence officials who raised early red flags. The problem is, is that they raised those red flags and then were promptly ignored by the political people above them. And their words were classified and pushed away, which is this classic game that the intelligence community can play, which is to say, that's classified information we can't tell you, or they classify certain information that protects the intelligence agencies, doesn't protect, protect sources or the methods that we use to get that information. It protects the PR angle for many of the intelligence agencies. And I think that the American people need to have faith in their intelligence agencies. And the way that they gain that faith is to be uh, confident that those on the inside are doing their job, and that's where transparency comes into this. Well, we can hope that there's going to be some accountability. 
uh, I, I mean, from the FBI, the CIA, from people inside the Obama White House. One person that's been somewhat of a surprise who continues to stonewall is Gina Haspel, uh, who is the director of the CIA. Who's she covering for? Let me just say this, because I think it's really important. Transparency is not political. Transparency is not for Republicans or Democrats. Transparency is what the American people want. I will give you that it's a rare thing in Washington, D.C., so the people who live and breathe in Washington, D.C. are afraid of it. Uh, they're afraid of it for a variety of reasons because they will be held to account. And also, I have to say, that we have a press corps that only deals in black and white right now. There's no nuance. There's no gray. Um, we can't have two things being equal or... Uh, you know, we, we have problems with anyone who tries to be thoughtful on these issues. And that's sad. So I think that all cabinet officials, all Trump cabinet officials have a duty to be forward leaning on transparency, especially when it comes to the Russian collusion hoax, because we were uh, given something, we the American people were given something that is absolutely not true. And the sad part is we inside the government knew it wasn't true. All right, Rick, we've only got a minute left, so I, I've got to jump into the big tech story of the week where Twitter basically has uh, just decided that it's not going to allow a reputable newspaper uh, to air a, a front-page story on the Twitter platform. Silicon Valley is out of control. What's the answer for this? I got to tell you, uh, Governor, I cannot believe what I'm seeing this close to an election and, and even just from big tech companies censoring. This is the United States of America. We're not supposed to be censoring, um, you know, information we don't like or political information that, that is going to go against people that we're supporting. Clearly, big tech supports Joe Biden. There is no question about that. And yet... Big tech is really moving hard to try to limit the damage because what we see from, from Joe Biden and his son, Hunter Biden, they are clearly corrupt. 47 years in Washington has created corruption. There is no question about it, whether it's China or the Ukraine or, or a whole bunch of other countries. So I, I feel like we've got to expose this and people need to start working hard to look at the information to see the corruption. Much more of that onion to peel back. It's already making uh, my eyes water thinking about it. I'm looking forward to having you back. Rick Grinnell, thank you. Great to have you here. Always good to see you, Governor. Well, as I said to Rick, I think we underestimate how important he has been in finally having the courage to release a lot of these documents so we can find out what our government was up to. By the way, they were spending our money, so we have a right to know what they were up to. And we now know better why they didn't want us to know. The big question is, and he can't fix this, will anyone really be held accountable for the things that happened? If not, then that's a sad day in America. Now, if you want to keep up with Rick Grinnell, follow him on Twitter while his account is still there. It could be taken any time. That's at Richard Grinnell. Tonight, pro-life activist and Super Bowl champion Benjamin Watson, political aide and author Sean Spicer, plus country music star John Rich performs his latest hit on Huckabee.
GovMikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter. And follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. Welcome back. Benjamin Watson rose from college football standout to Super Bowl champion with the New England Patriots. He's now an author, speaker, philanthropist, father of seven, and executive producer of an important new documentary on the always controversial subject of abortion called Divided Hearts of America. Please join me in welcoming Benjamin Watson. You know, our drummer is a Georgia bulldog, and he's I, wearing the I, I hat know. and everything. John's my guy. He's so pumped about you being here. He hadn't been this excited about any show we've done, but suddenly he well, is really worked up. Well, I was talking to John, and we got a big game this week, uh, Alabama, so this will let us know a lot. But I was talking, and he feels good, so I feel good about the game. <laughs> Go dogs. <laughs> We're not going to talk about the uh, Georgia-Arkansas game. Let's just forget that one, okay? That happened already, and that's been a long time ago. Oh, he had a good one in 2002. Um, SEC champs, you know, I think I caught a touchdown that game. We are so happy Benjamin you Watson know, yeah, to be with us. Yeah. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> we'll see Benjamin another time. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, I'm really thrilled to have you here because you're, you're taking a very gutsy move. A lot of people in the NFL right now uh, they're taking some controversial stands, taking a knee, speaking out against America. You and your wife are talking about how valuable every human being is, why life matters. What makes you different than a lot of those folks that you play in the NFL with that aren't doing what you're doing to save children? Yeah. Well, I'm not much different. Um, I think that a lot of those, those men that you, you spoke of um, love this country just like I do. Yeah. They care about the country. They care about justice. Yeah. And so for us specifically, when it comes to the issue of abortion, which is why we created this documentary, Divided Hearts of America, uh, this is a justice issue. The mm. same way that I would stand against uh, racial injustice or trafficking, like many of my fellow NFL players do, as you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, that's why we feel like we need to be involved with this, because justice is about protecting those who deserve protection, which are innocent children, are their mothers that are making these decisions. Um, as well as punishing those who deserve punishment. And so uh, that's, why we're, that's why we made this documentary, because this issue is dividing America uh, in a way that none other really has, and it's about life. It's about people creating the image of God. You know, I, I feel like sometimes we fail to mention that in every abortion there are two victims. One mm -hmm. is the obvious victim of the child, but often that birth mother is really a victim. She's been talked into something has been pressured maybe by a boyfriend or a husband or a mother, grandmother or a close friend. And, and then later, there's an enormous pressure, often deep, deep guilt. That person needs love, needs forgiveness, needs compassion. And I know that's one of the things that, that you want to convey in your message. Of course. You know, a lot of times we talk about the conviction when it comes to these sorts of moral issues or life issues. And it's important that we never change our stance when it comes to our convictions or the truth. But how we deliver the truth in love is vitally important. Yeah. We are to be people that have conviction with compassion. And in speaking with mothers who are post-abortive or fathers who are post-abortive, those who have been involved with these types of decisions, the last thing they need is for someone to heap more condemnation and judgment upon them. 
What they do need, however, is love. They need people to tell them that they can do it, that they have what it takes, that there are men that, you know, you need to stand in the gap for the women that are bearing your children. And so that, that's a challenge really, really to all of us who consider ourselves to be advocates for life. We must never sacrifice our conviction, but how we portray that, how we extend that to other people is vitally important. I want us to play a little clip from Divided Hearts of America so our audience will have a chance to know exactly what Benjamin is up to in this film. If we look at the history of abortion laws, it's always been predicated on when a human's life begins. There is no personhood under law for fetuses. We don't have that in this country. People were saying, wait a minute, do they really kill babies? I said, hey, it's called infanticide. It's important that as African-Americans that we truly understand the history of abortion. In New York City, the home of Planned Parenthood, for decades more black babies have been aborted than born alive. For decades. Abortion is targeting black America. That's not an accident. That's genocide. Wow, Benjamin, that's powerful. It's genocide. I mean, that, that's, it's not just an occasional thing. 60 million unborn children have died since 1973. That's overwhelming when you stop to think about it how is. many lives never got to see the light of day. It is not just those lives, Governor. It is the lives that came after them. Yeah. You know, when we talk about killing one individual, we're not talking about that individual only. We're talking about all those who may come from that individual. And so when you look at 60 million, it seems like a, a number that is so large. How do we deal with that? Well, we do it one person at a time. We do it one woman at a time. We do it by challenging one man at a time. We do it by bringing awareness, by bringing love. We do it in the political realm, we also do it in the church. Yeah. One in, yeah. four, in ten, four in 10 women in the church are post-aborted. Mm. And so these people are in our churches, they have value, they're in our political realm, they're men that were in the locker rooms with me, they, they've been involved. This is something that touches all of us, but so many um, suffer in silence without uh, uh, people reaching out to them and, and claiming the fact that they still have value no matter what they've done in their past. I'm so proud of you for putting a film like this together for people to see it. A lot of people will watch it because they know you. You're a hero to a lot of people because of your sports uh, life. But for you to take your platform and to help people to realize the power of personhood, it's just extraordinary. And I wanna say thank you, Benjamin, for doing that. And I want you to learn more about Divided Hearts of America and all of the activities of Benjamin and Kristen Watson through their books and other projects. To do that, visit thewatson7.com. You know, I told you before, they got seven children. So that's where it comes, thewatson7.com. Now, to stream the film on demand, go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. Coming up, political insider and author Sean Spicer and Huck's hero Charity Keener. More Huckabee is on the way. Still to come, country star John Rich performs his new hit single, Earth to God. Welcome back. How about a little hand of applause for this great band over here, Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. I'm sure you know that Sean Spicer was the very first to stand behind the podium as White House press secretary in the era of Donald Trump. 
He was my daughter Sarah's predecessor. So I kind of know what I'm talking about when I tell you that is one hot spotlight to stand in. He's got a brand new book out, and it's called Leading America, President Trump's Commitment to People, Patriotism, and Capitalism, Making the Case for a Second Trump Term. Please welcome back to the show our friend Sean Spicer. You know, I just realized you grew up in Rhode Island, so you're a big Patriots oh, yeah. it's, fan. It's Patriots night here tonight. No, it's not. I uh, just wanted you to know. <laughs> <Okay>. it's, uh, <laughs> these folks probably think it's Tennessee Titans. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they don't. I don't know. It doesn't look like. Maybe they think it's Patriots. Okay. Uh, I was really disappointed when you walked out. I was expecting you to dance yeah, after that's dancing later. with the we're stars. <laughs> That was, that was really pretty. I, I thought when I talked to your folks, they were like, what are you wearing? I thought they scared that I was going to show up in a green shirt. <laughs> Listen, that green shirt was great. I told you before, every week you were on, my wife texted everybody in our family and said, every one of you, vote for Sean three times. Do it. And then she texts back and said, did you vote for Sean? If you didn't, you better do it right now. If we could only run campaigns like we ran that one, you know, we would... It was pretty it. impressive. It was. Thank you. And thank to her and everybody out there. I, honest to God, when I, when I did that, I thought this will be fun for a couple weeks. And the next thing you know, I'm in the quarterfinals of a reality show for dancing, which, you know, isn't that big of a deal unless you actually saw me and then you're going, how did he get that far? And you, <laughs> they that said that about my silent... political career. No, no, so. no. I, I know about your political career. You earned that. I went out and hustled for votes and it was unbelievable. And, you know, every week when they called me safe, it was nine weeks on the show. And I'd get the scores, and they'd be like, two, two, <laughs> one. And then, you know, at one point, uh, I think it was Bruno or Len said, every week we throw you out of the boat, and the viewers pull you back in. And I thought, thank goodness. Yeah. But it was amazing. Well, I'm glad you had a good time with it. You know, you have to be a good sport to do, do that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, look, you know this better than anyone. Having a sense of humor in this business is yep. important. Uh, but, you know, it was funny. I was listening to your monologue, and you're absolutely right. The headwinds that we face as conservatives... When you look at these major institutions in society, big tech, press, you know, Hollywood, yeah. um, education and academia, it's all against us. And I think that we need to know how to go out and fight, to offer alternatives, to do so in a compelling way. And it's amazing because shows like this give people an alternative that's good family, informative shows that Hollywood doesn't want to produce. And that's why you're yeah. here in Nashville. I mean, aside from yeah. being a great place. But... It's, it's, we need to understand that this election is about the direction of our country. And the institutions you brought up in, the, in your monologue, the idea that a newspaper story is being censored by other newspapers and then buttressed in terms of censorship by big tech just shows you how crazy things have gotten off the rails. It is kind of scary. I mean, your book is about leading America and, and how the president has earned a second term in your view. And you were there up close and personal. You're not one of those people that left and said, I'm going to go write a nasty book about the president. You've written a wonderful book, and you've laid out the case. What is essentially the most important thing that you feel like you've said in this book that every American ought to hear? I'll put it this way. I think when you read the book and you read through each institution, academia, Hollywood, big tech, corporate America, 
journalism, you are going to have probably eight to ten aha moments. Mm. It explains why journalists are the way they are. When you look at how they are taught in journalism school to, quote, make the world a better place, not to report the facts, you start understanding the indoctrination that occurs in the media industry. These folks aren't out there to report the facts, and we've seen this in the last week better than ever. They have an agenda. They are complicit. And once you understand how they've been trained, who their mentors are, what the course curriculum is, then you get it. But the beautiful part about the book is that I talk about ways that we as conservatives can break through this. There's a movie called The Chosen. It's about the life of Jesus Christ. It's a family series that was crowdfunded. It wasn't made in Hollywood. It was a bunch of people that said, we need good family entertainment. Mm. And so let's make this movie. Let's crowdsource it. And it was the largest sourced, crowdsourced entertainment project because people want this. But Hollywood won't do it. Journalism won't show us the other side and tell the other side. So we as conservatives, I think, need to find platforms to go out there and support and shows to, to support, watch, and, and fund But there's a way that we can do this. So much is at stake in this election. And when you read the book, you understand why things are the way they are, why shows overlook their corporate profits and their audience sizes in order to advance a political goal. You know, you've made the case. Blunt question. Yeah. Is it going to work? Do you feel like President Trump will win re-election? I do, but it's going to be close and people can't rest on their laurels. You brought it up in the monologue. People have to understand to look past the tweets and look at the policies. Tweets don't hurt you. Yeah. Right? I mean, they don't. No. But but cutting taxes and regulations makes your businesses grow, allows people to get hired. Um, You know this from running a state. These policies make a difference in people's lives. And that's what we're up against. It's not about tweets. That's why Biden stays hidden. That's why he won't answer questions. He understands if it's a decision on policy between his direction and Trump's distraction, Trump wins every day of the week. Hmm. So they have to make it not about policy. And that's the dirty secret. It's like an infomercial. You get sucked in, and the next thing you know, you've got this widget and four payments that don't work, and you're going, wait a second, I, I never know. I didn't mean to buy that. And that's what this election comes down to, know and understand the policy and the headwinds that we face. I hope you're right. I really do. And I, I want to tell you, thanks for writing a book, and thanks for having it in, in a source that we have some confidence in because you were actually there. I want to ask Keith to tell the folks at home how to keep up with Sean Spicer and get his book. Well, you can pick up Sean's book, Leading America, anywhere books are sold. And keep up with him on social media, at Sean Spicer. There's also SeanSpicer.com for all things Sean in one convenient place. Next, Huck's hero, Charity Keener, then Joe Biden's debate coach, Dr. Anderson Payne. Later, John Rich's power, prayer, and song, Earth to God. You're watching Huckabee. Well, the Gulf Coast experienced a one-two punch with hurricanes Laura and Delta. Residents are still trying to recover from the massive devastation. Samaritan's Purse is on the ground, and they need you. If you can volunteer, do it now. If you can't volunteer, I challenge you to donate and help the recovery efforts by calling or visiting their website. Thank you for giving tangible aid in the name of Jesus. Charity Keener is not just a fellow Arkansas native. She's also on a mission to help ease the strain 
on a very overtaxed foster care system. Her heart and a passion for Arkansas's children makes her tonight's Huck's hero. In Arkansas, there are 4,444 kids in foster care, and we only have 1,500 foster homes. One of the highest meth problems in the nation is right here, so unfortunately that causes some serious problems for children who find themselves in a pretty dangerous, desperate situation. It's so traumatic. You can just imagine if you're a kid, you're being jerked away from your parents, you're being, you're being placed with strangers, they're gonna be taken care of, but uh, invariably, every kid wants to be with their parents. And the hardest thing to do would be to find a location where that child could thrive or even exist for a while, because there, there weren't very many places. A lot of times they do not have supplies. Their clothing they may not have, except what they got to wear out of their house. Our community has come together to provide extra for those students who come in our school. DHS does the best to try to keep the kids together, but a lot of times we'll see sibling groups that are removed. I've had them as much as eight kids in a sibling group removed at one time. And that's why projects like the House of Hope are so important. The purpose of the House of Hope is to enable people to foster. This will provide a home for them rent-free so that children can remain in a stable home within their own community. And that's what was such a big part of Charity's vision, was keeping the family together. Because sometimes when they have nothing but each other, just having that means a lot. Charity is the founder and president of Restoration Conferences. And we want to say thank you, Charity, for being here tonight. So happy to have you and the work that you're doing. What is the personal connection that you have, and why does it matter so much to you about these foster kids? Well, Governor, I was never personally in foster care, but I should have been. Hmm. It's just that no one realized the, the situation that I was in. I was in a home where... Drugs and alcohol were prevalent, prostitution, promiscuity, um, abuse like many can never imagine. Mm. I was beaten till blood ran down my legs. I've seen guns held to people's heads, people shot at, drug mm. used at the kitchen table. And I relate to these kids. Mm. You've started a, an organization where kids have an opportunity to, to be in a home where they're safe Yes. and where they're loved. Two things that every child ought to have. I can't imagine that anybody would disagree. I don't care what your politics are. Everybody says a kid ought to be safe and ought to be loved. Absolutely. So tell me about the home, because you're, you're, that's one of the big needs you have, is to get the funds to finish this home. This is a first-of-its-kind project. It has never existed anywhere. And the first need is to finish the work. And, and obviously this year has been very difficult. Yeah. Um, it's been difficult to gather, to gather volunteers because of COVID. And then, of course, my mom was on a ventilator, my adoptive mom, who was my pastor. Mm. Um, that's another reason for all of this. She rescued me from an abusive situation. She was on a ventilator and I've been taking care of her. And then, of course, we host events to raise money to finish the work. And that hasn't been an option. Yeah. Mm. So the home is, is first and foremost, and then we need a boys and girls club in our region to help take care of kids after, after school and, and such. 
Um, we need a home for kids who have aged out of care. So there are so many needs that will completely turn our situation for our community around. You know, the reason we wanted you to be our Huck's hero tonight is because we really appreciate the fact that you are doing something in your own community. It's not something that's happening way off somewhere. It's happening where you live, and people are in desperate need of what you're doing. And, and Charity, thank you for sharing. Thank you for letting us put a spotlight, and I hope people across America will join in helping you. Now, if you'd like updates on Charity's mission, if you want to donate and help finish the House of Hope, I'm sure Charity would be thrilled to hear that. Here's what you do. You visit restorationconferences.org. And that's conferences with an S at the end. Coming up, Joe Biden's debate coach, Dr. Anderson Payne. Later, country music star John Rich performs his latest hit song, Earth to God, on Huckabee. And welcome back. Now, my next guest just might have the most challenging job in today's world. We're very happy to have him here. He's a presidential debate coach with a combination of scholarly expertise and a deep understanding of the political world. He's right in the heat of the current battle. He currently serves as Joe Biden's debate coach. I want you to welcome Dr. Anderson Payne from Joe Biden's alma mater, Delaware State University. Dr. Payne, welcome. It's good to have you. I'm, I'm delighted that you accepted our invitation to come. Well, I, I do have to say that I feel like Benedict Arnold at the 4th of July celebration. Um, <laughs> but I am glad to be here. I'm glad to be really anywhere. Well, we're, <laughs> we're glad you came because, you know, a lot of times it's hard for us to get people from the other side. And especially, it's got to be a challenge. Let's, let's be honest. I mean, Joe Biden has had a little bit of a tough time with what most of us would call gaffes. How do you help him to get through those moments when he seems to forget what he's trying to say? Well, it's a two-pronged issue in terms of, well, what we have, and I guess really has that to a notion with the, at the beginning. But from there, it changes over, what well, I wouldn't say change, but I did, but I would imagine it, it, it a further indication of where we're going. So that in itself is as a, you know, something. You know, um, <laughs> the former it. vice president ha has certainly had challenges communicating. I mean, this is your area of academic expertise. You teach this at the university level. What advice do you try to give him in terms of honing his message, making it clear, razor sharp? Well, I tell all of my clients, well, not all of them, <laughs> yeah. but generally, my philosophy is fake it till you make it. Now, let me explain that. <laughs> I think we is, that a, is that an academic approach to? <laughs> Everything to me is an academic approach. Um, but 
a wonderful opportunity to be able to gather, then, you know, to make it light with communication. And communication, as we all know, is something that we all have to do, so why not make it ready? I mean, that's how I'm sure I would put it if, if I could. Um, is the vice president easy to work with? I mean, are you able to communicate with him, and, and does he get the message that you want him to, to be able to convey when he's out there on that debate stage? No, but I think that... <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean... Let me be honest. Yes and no. Um, I, I don't want to sound like I know what we have, and I guess really is that to a notion, but I think, I don't, but I know people who do, that there's a reason for what we have, and I, I guess, it, it, so yes. <laughs> I think it's probably time I let the audience in on what they probably have figured out. <laughs> Dr. Anderson Payne is really, in real life, Durwood Fincher, and he is known across the world as Mr. Double Talk. He's been doing it for years, entertaining, and he has spooked you tonight. <laughs> I was trying, Durwood, I was trying to hang on and not break character, but you make it hard, my friend. <laughs> Don't y'all love this guy? He's such a wonderful... <laughs> He's such a wonderful racer. You do what we have inspired is what we have. It. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you go all over the world and you've entertained and you've spoofed people. I saw what you did to Hoda Kobe and uh, Kathy Lee Gifford on the Today Show. Uh, you had that whole bunch totally confused. You know what? I think you really should run for Congress. You are <laughs> perfect for the deal, man. <laughs> I appreciate that, but there's one thing that just scares me to death, and that is, I'm afraid I'd win. <laughs> <laughs> By landslide. You know what? You couldn't do any worse than what we've got. <laughs> and your speeches would be so much more entertaining than some of the ones that we hear. And also, you've got to remember, Ashley, I like it that, you know, what we have, and I guess really what to it to... I think I've already said that, though. I don't want to repeat myself. <laughs> oh, I got to tell you, it has been so much fun having you with us, Derwood Fincher. And with you, you know, we get two guests for the price of one. So we want to thanks, uh, <laughs> express our thanks to you and your alter ego, Dr. Anderson Payne. And if you want to keep up with Derwood Fincher, or if you want to have him come to your community or your corporation and group, he does this all the time, all over the world. Go to doubletalk.com and check him out on social media. I love this guy. He's so much fun to be with. Don't you go away. Coming up next, country music's John Rich performs his prayer and song, Earth to God, here on Huckabee. Welcome back. We are so very happy to have John Rich here. He is a multi-platinum singer-songwriter. He's the host of Fox Nation's The Pursuit. He's one half of the super duo Big and & Rich, and he's a really good friend of The Huckabee Show.
first time I heard this new single of his, it's called Earth to God. I turned to my wife and I said, Janet, wow. And she said, songs like this come into existence once in a generation. It is that powerful a song. And I think people, when they hear it, they are moved and their reaction is exactly the same. Earth to God debuted a few weeks ago in Washington, D.C. at Prayer March 2020. It aired here on TBN. And immediately the song hit number one globally on iTunes. Welcome back to the show. A dear friend and a great, great guy, John Rich. Thank you, John. Thank you. Was this song one of those that just came to you in a moment of inspiration? Was it just almost overwhelming to you? I mean, because it's so powerful. I've written a lot of songs in my life, over 2,000, hmm. somewhere in that range. And uh, I've never had one come to me like this. I was not in the mood to write a song. I was not uh, setting out to write a song or thinking, you know, like that. I was just watching the TV and looking at that chaos and looking out my own window and, mm. and seeing that things are out of our control. And by our control, I mean mankind's control. Yeah. And this thought came into my mind. I wonder when the last time the whole world had the same problem at the same time, maybe COVID-19, mm. right? The whole yeah. world's got that problem. Yeah. So it's probably Noah's flood was the last time. <laughs> probably was. Yeah. And I thought that's an astounding thing to think about. Yeah. And so I went a little deeper with that thought and I went, you know, we're so divided right now in our country and around the world. What do we have in common anymore? Well, I guess what we have in common is that threat hmm. is what we have in common. And it's time we reach back out to God. Earth should send an SOS to God. I had this picture of a, like an old World War II guy at a CB radio hitting it and going, Earth to God, come in, God. Earth to God, come in, God. And what does, what does Earth want to hear God say back? Hmm. This is God, come back, earth. Hmm. Wow. That's See, what we want to hear. I think the profundity of the song is what makes it so very powerful. And the first time I heard it, I had that reaction of that this was not a song about politics. It wasn't a song even about music. It wasn't a song about divisions or race or uh, economies. It wasn't about country versus country. It was the world collectively mm -hmm. falling on its knees, recognizing we're in trouble. And we don't have but one solution. Well, man cannot fix mankind's problems. Mm. That's a fact. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, Donald Trump can't fix them, and Joe Biden can't fix them, and you can't, I can't fix them. Man cannot fix mankind's problems. Only God can do something as big as that. And uh, people have asked me, well, do you think God knows what's going on on this earth right now? Yeah. I said, well, it says in the scripture that he knows how many hairs are on your head, and he, he knows when a sparrow dies and hits the ground. He knows the most minuscule details of everything going on on our planet. So, of course, he knows what's going on. We just haven't talked to him in a while, and that's what this song is all about. One of the things I love about what you're doing with the song, 10% of all the money that you receive from the song is going to Samaritan's Purse, one of our favorites here at the show. Yep. What Franklin Graham and the people at Samaritan's Purse do for hurting people is amazing. So it's, uh, it's an opportunity to help Samaritan's Purse. But I I'm sure you're even amazed at the reaction the song is receiving around the world. I'm encouraged by it. Um, you know, I didn't write this song to be a hit song or to win an award or anything like that. I honestly felt like I was a conduit, uh, mm. like I didn't even write it when, it when I, 30 minutes it took to write this song. 
and I looked down at it and I went, what just happened? Uh. I honestly felt like he just put it on me and I was the conduit and I hit the page with the pencil and there it was. And I feel more like a, a guy delivering a message more than an artist singing a song at this point. Well, brother, you are delivering a message with this song and I want our audience to hear this powerful song. So as John gets ready to sing Earth to God, Keith is gonna tell you how you can connect with John Rich and this phenomenal piece of music. You can get John Rich's Earth to God at iTunes and everywhere music is sold. For more information about John's music, his projects, and to connect with him on social media, please go to johnrich.com. Also, John will be co-hosting a Fox Nation post-debate show this Thursday. Check it out on Fox Nation and all their social media platforms. Now, here to sing Earth to God is John Rich. Earth to God, come in God. I know you're there, hearing our prayers wherever you are. We need you now to send your love down. Take away the pain in your holy name. We ask this now. We need your light, we need your love to heal the world you And save us now in our darkest hour with your amazing grace. Earth to God. We're holding on, not for long. Pull us all close to the Holy Ghost and keep us strong. 